1: Good day podcast.
0: What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here today. Before we get started, before we jump into anything, I would just like to welcome the Bear and Viking fans who are immediately here seeing the thumbnail that the Packers are gonna win the Super Bowl in 2023 and just are ready to dive into the comments. I'm surprised if you even made it this far. I'm sure you were chomping at the bit to try to get a comment in as soon as possible to, dra- you know, just try to drag this take and get it in immediately. Well, I hate to let you down immediately, but no, I do not personally believe that the Green Bay Packers are going to win the Super Bowl in 2023, but this is going to be part 1 of a three-part series. Today I'm going to be going over you know what if Green Bay did win the Super Bowl? And basically, what if I told you that I actually have a hot tub time machine and I jumped into my hot tub time machine, went into the future, saw that Green Bay actually won the Super Bowl this upcoming season, and now I have to sort of piece together how that actually happened. So that is what I'm going to be doing today, is that let's presuppose that the Packers are actually this year's Super Bowl champions. How would that ultimately take place? So that's what I'm gonna be doing today. Tomorrow, I'm gonna be going over the exact opposite. What if I went into that same time machine, went into the future, and saw that the Packers ended up with the worst record, and they are actually picking first overall in next year's draft. How in the heck did that happen? And then part three is going to be in all likelihood, somewhere in the middle, right? What if it's another eight and nine or nine and eight type season and they end up somewhere in the middle? So, a three part series. Today is part one, and that is going to be the Packers are your Super Bowl champions. How in the heck did that happen? Now, interestingly enough, I posted this question on Twitter, I don't know, maybe two, three weeks ago, basically saying, you know, if I told you that the Packers either finished with the first overall pick next year or they finished with a Super Bowl championship, which one is more likely? And I honestly, I don't even remember which one won. I think it was actually the Super Bowl championship because I have a huge Packers fan base and we're a little bit biased. Um, I think I lean a little bit more towards the first pick side of things simply because I think there's a easier avenue if Aaron, you know, if Jordan Love has some sort of injury and you end up with a Sean Clifford season, you can probably find a way to be in the worst record in football. That being said, I expect there to be some pretty bad teams in the NFL this season. I think the Arizona Cardinals probably an example of that. You know, there's probably going to be a couple other ones and it might be hard to get into that conversation, even if you try a little bit. So we'll see what, you know, where this ultimately ends up. And I don't think they're going to be on either end of the extremes. I don't think they're going to be Super Bowl champ. I don't think they're going to be the worst record in football. Somewhere in the middle of there is the more logical conclusion, whether that is remains to be seen. But just to let again any Bear or Viking fans down easily, no, I do not think that this is ultimately going to happen. But I'm going to try to piece together. If we knew without a shadow of a doubt, that the Packers were Super Bowl champions this year. How in the heck did they get there? And I kind of feel like if you remember, like I'm really dating myself here a little bit, but the movie Apollo 13 where they had, and obviously based on a true story, uh, where they had to piece together, uh, you know, all of the resources that they had on the shuttle to try to get back to earth in some way. Like I'm trying to figure out today, all right, what resources did the Packers have to try to piece together a way in which they can actually be Super Bowl champions? So that's what I'm going to be starting to do. Now, number one, clear and obvious, right? And that starts with Jordan Love. And he has to be really good in some capacity. If you look at the past Super Bowl champions, the more recent ones, Patrick Mahomes, and this is just quarterback rating, which is not the perfect statistic by any means, but it sort of gives you an idea of who the best quarterbacks were through the course of the season. These were the Super Bowl champion quarterbacks and what their quarterback rating was through the course of the season. Patrick Mahomes was second a season ago. Matthew Stafford was third the year before that. Tom Brady was ninth. Patrick Mahomes was fourth the year before that. Brady was 15th. Nick Foles and Carson Wentz were eighth and fifth, respectively, in that season where Wentz went down and Foles took over. Brady was second. We're going to skip the next one for just a second. Then Brady was fifth. Russell Wilson was seventh. The one that I skipped over was the Peyton Manning year where he was actually 35th in quarterback rating that year. When Brock Osweiler got in, he was 24th. So that is the one real outlier. Brady 15th is sort of the other one, but five seasons ago now, but we know Tom Brady in the playoffs is just a completely different beast altogether. And you have to know that, you know, he can go off at any given moment and sort of the same thing with Peyton Manning, right? Peyton Manning did not have a good regular season that year. He did not have a good playoff. That year, but he does bring a little bit of a different um, feel to the table for the quarterback. Obviously, just his you know extreme genius IQ at the position is able to get you know lend them some things that most offenses weren't able to do. Meanwhile, they just had a phenomenal defense, and that's ultimately what won them the Super Bowl. But your outliers there are few and far between. More often than not, you need to have a top ten quarterback in the NFL to at least be in the conversation for a potential Super Bowl championship. Now. Let's even just use the Brady outlier there where he was 15th. And I will reiterate here, that was Tom freaking Brady. So this is a little bit different, but if we maybe even make the argument that if everything else goes amazing at minimum, and I mean, at minimum, Jordan Love probably needs to be a top 15 quarterback in 2023 for this, even to have some sort of crazy opportunity for the Packers to win a championship this upcoming season. So let's look at that. What did the 15th best quarterback in quarterback rating look like a season to go? That was Trevor Lawrence for Jacksonville. 387 completions on 584 attempts, 66% completion percentage, 25 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 4,113 yards, and a 95.2 quarterback rating. Now, a couple of these things I don't think are realistic. A couple of these things I do think are realistic. First of all, I don't think that Jordan Love is probably throwing 584 passes this year. I think they're going to try to tone that down, be a, not a run first team, but they're certainly going to try to have a little bit more of a ball control offense, take some of the burden off of Jordan Love's plate and make it so that they can be a efficient running team that can use a lot of play action. And again, just make things a little less challenging for Jordan Love at quarterback. 66% 66 percent completion percentage in Love's first year as a starter probably a little bit unrealistic. Could that get to 63 percent? Maybe. All right, but I think that's at least close enough to be within the realm of possibility. 25 touchdowns. All right, yeah, I think I think he could easily surpass 25 touchdowns. Maybe not easily, but I think that's well within you know the the re- the realm of reason for Jordan Love to throw at least 25 touchdowns. The big one here: eight interceptions. That would be pretty remarkable for a quarterback that's been a little bit. Um, you know, at least willing to throw an interception here or there, uh, you know, he certainly has last year at Utah saying that's a little bit different based on the circumstances of that season, but through quite a few picks, we've seen some interceptions and in OTAs and minicamps so far. I think eight interceptions would be uh, certainly on the low side for what expectations should be. Can he throw for above 4,000 yards? Probably a bit aggressive, but you know, in a 17 game season, not totally impossible. And then, can he somewhere hit around that 95.2 rating? I think this is tough. I think that would be quite the challenge. If, if I think if Jordan Love hit anywhere near those numbers 66% completion percentage, a three to one touchdown to interception ratio, over 4,000 yards, and a 95 plus quarterback rating. I think a lot of those Bear and Viking fans that I was addressing earlier would be not too happy with that result. And I think a lot of Packer fans would be doing backflips with the fact that Jordan Love would put that up in his first season. So probably not super realistic. But I don't think those numbers, at least the important ones, like the touchdowns, the yards are insanely unattainable. And I think you can get at least close to the completion percentage. I think the big one is going to be that interception and just in general, the touchdown to interception ratio. So that's going to be the first one is that Jordan Love at least has to be within puncher's distance of that 15th overall quarterback rating, or at least being a top 15 quarterback overall. If not, that just makes the, the, you know, everyone else's job on the offensive line, the running backs, the receivers, like the defense, clearly the special teams, all of that, their jobs just get exponentially harder. Because if you don't have an efficient quarterback in some capacity, like, let's just be real. You're probably not winning the Super Bowl. And the one outlier was Peyton freaking Manning. So, and not just Peyton freaking Manning, Peyton freaking Manning with one of the best defenses that we've seen. You know, we see good defenses every year. That was a really, really good Denver Broncos defense, but that's probably somewhere where Jordan Love needs to be around. Number two on my list is that the, the defense finally, finally, finally gels together and becomes a good collective unit rather than this hodgepodge of individual players. They remember the fact that, hey, they have eight first round picks. Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, Rashawn Gary, Luke Van Ness, you know, Quay Walker, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, and Darnell Savage. Eight first round picks on this team that they've got some pretty, you know, I wouldn't say like super high price free agents, but Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, Razul Douglas, and Keyshawn Nixon aren't just making nothing either. There's some pretty decent sized free agent contracts on the books in Green Bay as well. You add those four to eight first round picks, you're starting to cook a little bit with what you're putting into this defense and trying to get some ROI out of. The talent is clearly there to be a potential top 10 defense and you know the tape unfortunately was nowhere near a top 10 defense a season ago so you had this you know, this overall discrepancy of a lot of talent not a lot of results so that's i think where the big disconnect is and can this defense finally gel together and find a way to work together as a cohesive collective unit, a group that rallies to the football, is going to hit everything in sight, is going to do their job. The old Bill Belichickian, do your job, do your 111th. Don't try to do too much. If they can come together as a team and gel together, the talent is clearly there. Now I mentioned this was a defense that was nowhere near a top 10 defense a season ago. If you want to reiterate this, go back two days ago to the episode I put out, the state of the Packers defense. We go all of this over all of this in great detail, and you can get a better idea of where this defense was. But what I do want to say here is this isn't a defense that was completely, completely without hope. You go back to the final five games of last season when their defense really sort of kind of willed them back into the playoff conversation. I know. Aaron Rodgers was a piece of that as well, and he's going to get a lot of the credit for you know, sort of rallying the troops and getting this thing. It was really the defense, in my opinion, that really got this team back in a position where they could ultimately get in at least the playoff conversation at the end of the year and had an opportunity to win that final game to go to the playoffs. In those final five games on defense, they allowed 17.6 points per game. If you take away two... Complete garbage time Minnesota Vikings touchdowns when the Packers were up 41 to 3 late in the fourth quarter. 41 to 3 late in the fourth quarter, two garbage time Vikings touchdowns. Take those out, all right? They allowed 14.8 points per game over the final five games of the season. The 17.6 I mentioned earlier, even if you keep the garbage time touchdowns in there, would have been fourth best in the league over the course of the season. 14.8 would have been first. Now, obviously and clearly, and it should go without saying, that is a very small sample size. It's one thing to do something great for five games. It's another to do it for 17 or beyond 17 as a playoff team. So I'm not saying that that five game sample size is indicative of exactly what this Packers defense is. But I will say the final five games of last year, even without Rashawn Gary during that time frame, looked amazing. A heck of a lot better than what they did earlier in the season. And we can just talk about that Minnesota Viking game. Now, Minnesota had a rough night that night. It just, they didn't have their A game. It was what it was. But you look at the difference of that defense from week one against Minnesota to what they did late in the season against that Vikings team, another night and day difference. So I'm not saying that that is going to be what this defense is, but our last five games of what we saw for this Joe Barry defense was at least some level of hope that they can be better in 2023, and hopefully they can carry that over. And now with a Lucas Van Ness and a Rashawn Gary, they didn't really lose that much. Jerron Reed, Dean Lowry, Chris Barnes, you know, Adrian Amos, who had a really tough season a season ago, they didn't lose that much. They're going to get Rashawn Gary back. They're going to get Eric Stokes back. They're going to have Lucas Van Ness now, first round pick. I would say that this is a net add for this defense. And if they can play anywhere near what they did in those final five games, again, that should give teams, or at least the Packer fans, I should say, a reason for hope. Now, the teams that they did play in those final five games were the last place Chicago Bears, the worst team in football, the Baker Mayfield led Los Angeles Rams. And I think Baker had been there for like a week and a half at that point, a concussed second half to a a Vikings team that was a playoff team and had a pretty good offense up until that point, so that's a good one. And then the Detroit Lions, who had a nice season, you know, certainly offensively as well. So those last two probably mean a little bit more, but overall, not exactly like you know the the greatest show on turf rams for five straight weeks right this was a fairly easy defensive schedule over the final you know final five weeks outside of kind of that Minnesota and Detroit final two games but overall i will say too not only just a small sample size but a small sample size against not the greatest offenses in the world so if they can come together and be that defense that we sort of saw with the final five games, and the first round draft picks realize that they are super talented, and the you know the the stars on this defense play like they're capable of, and this team really finds an identity and comes together, then yeah, I think this defense can be much better. And maybe, 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 maybe maybe even be a top 10 defense. Like I said the other day, I will believe that when I see it. I am done putting stock into a Packers defense until I actually see it come to fruition and they show me they can be a top 10, top five defense. But there's at least some hope from what we saw at the end of last season with some players returning and with drafting a player like Lucas Van es, who I think has the opportunity to make an impact. Now I know what maybe some of you are thinking already. Uh yeah Andy If you have a quarterback who can be a top 10, top 15 quarterback and a defense that can be a top 10 defense, yes, you're going to be a good football team with a chance to make a run in the playoffs. That goes without saying. So, okay, clearly good quarterback, good defense probably means good offense, good defense. And if you have both of those things, you're going to be good at football. So I'm not breaking any news here. So let's try to break this down a little bit more from a granular standpoint and zoom in a little bit to say, all right, so how does this happen? How does Jordan Love play like the top 15 quarterback that he would need to probably play at the level he would need to play at? And how does this defense finally become a top 10 defense? So here are the things that I think would need to happen through the course of this season to make some of these things actually come to fruition. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses, and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly, and I've loved Oakley's style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them, and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the Frogskins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do. So head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today.
1: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
0: number one on my list is this would need to be a pretty impressive Matt LaFleur masterclass as a head coach. Now, let's just take Kyle Shanahan for a second, right? Kyle Shanahan is one of those coaches where we automatically think of, hey, like he can have a seventh round pick like Brock Purdy at quarterback. Like they might have to play Sam Darnold at some point. And would any of us be ultimately shocked if Sam Darnold goes out and has a good season in Kyle Shanahan's offense and like all of a sudden that San Francisco 49ers team still ends up like 11 and six or better, even with like a, um, uh, you know, that type of, uh, sorry, I said Matt, I meant uh, Sam Darnold, sorry, Sam Darnold at quarterback. Um, if, like if that ends up happening, like they they probably still go out and have a good season, right? Sean McVay, we, we all immediately you know, think of Sean McVay and say like, all right, he has the ability to put together this incredible offense. He's a super bright offensive mind. We do know that Matt LaFleur comes from those two specific trees, the Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay coaching trees. And we've seen some pretty impressive stuff from Matt LaFleur over the seasons. Let's not forget that this is a head coach that took over and immediately won 13 games in his first three seasons. Having a back-to-back MV, you know, MVP quarterback in two of those seasons certainly helped things, but this has been a coach that's been pretty darn impressive for his first four seasons in the NFL. But now this is a totally different level for Matt LaFleur. I think he's going to have to have a much better level of innovation and stay ahead of the curves. I think Matt does a really good job of sort of borrowing from different things that he sees across the league and becomes a fast adopter of the things that are working across the league. I want to see him be a bit more innovative and staying ahead of the curve and figuring out something that's going to take opposing defenses by surprise and opposing teams by surprise prior to the you know him needing to adopt ideas from other teams. I think that's going to be something that Matt LaFleur needs to do. I think we're going to need to see his version of this offense really shine with Jordan Love at quarterback. I think this is going to be a coach that needs to sort of rally this team all together and make them believe that early in the season, they can stack some wins together and start building upon that belief. I think we're already seeing a really great energy with this team. I think you're seeing some camaraderie with this team. I think this is a a head football coach in Matt LaFleur that has always had a pretty darn good pulse on this team, but there's been some hiccups too. The opening week has been a major issue for Matt LaFleur through his tenure as head coach. That needs to get improved upon. You can't just throw away a game if you're trying to you know, win with a younger team this upcoming season. And we've seen some road trips that have just completely gotten away from them, whether it be some West Coast road trips, whether it be the trip to London, like those sort of things have given this team trouble in the Matt LaFleur era. There's been other things as well, and certainly not it, but he needs to have his best season as a head football coach. And he really needs to put together a masterclass in coaching and show that he should also be mentioned in that Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick. And I'm clearly putting the, you know, the horse before the cart a little bit here, but he needs to have a phenomenal season coaching and start being at least in that conversation as one of the top coaches in the league. So that would be number one is he's going to have to have a phenomenal year of coaching football. Number two, we talked about Jordan Love, but to be a little bit more granular with this. And one of the things I tried to hone in on a little bit earlier when we talked about it is Jordan Love limiting turnovers. We talked about Trevor Lawrence, fifteenth best quarterback from a quarterback rating standpoint. Only eight turnovers a season, or eight interceptions a season ago. Jordan is going to have to figure out a way to live to see another down to not turn the ball over. Now he had a front row view of the best quarterback to learn from when it you know comes to not turning the football over. So hopefully some of that wore off on Jordan Love. He has Tom Clements who is going to give him lesson after lesson over all of the sins of playing quarterback that you do not commit and he has to learn from that as well but some of this is just going to be tough as defenses throw every single different defensive little scheme and nuance at him to try to see what he can you know kind of attack or to, you know, see what he can you know live with and what see what he can ultimately um you know beat as a quarterback like th- th- he's going to have to go through And basically almost get like a quick PhD in quarterbacking because every single defensive coordinator is going to throw different things at him to see what he can handle. And by doing so, if he's playing slower, if he's trying to diagnose everything that's happening, it's going to lead to him holding the ball a little bit longer, which is going to lead to more pressures, which is ultimately going to likely lead to more turnovers, either via forced fumble or via interceptions or just huge sacks that take Green Bay out of, you know, an opportunity to maybe convert on a second or third and long. So Jordan Love's ability to limit turnovers would be huge in this season as well, if they are to ultimately end up being Super Bowl champions. Number three on my list is the, the, the playmakers on this team, the young playmakers, the Christian Watsons, the Romeo Dobbs, the Luke Musgraves, the Jaden Reeds, the Samori Toure's. They need to develop fast. The second year jumps from Toure from Dobbs, from Watson, need to be fairly significant. Luke Musgrave needs to be a big time receiving threat at tight end from almost day one. Jaden Reed needs to be a player who can come in and help from day one. You add that on the top of Aaron Jones and hopefully an improved playmaking A.J. Dillon, And you hopefully have the return of some playmakers and some run after the catch ability, some run through contact ability with those running backs. Remember those early Aaron Rodgers teams? I know you do, but the Jordy Nelsons, the Donald drivers, the Jermichael Finleys, the Greg Jennings, the we can go on and on and on. It was just so beautiful to watch Rodgers get the ball out of his hands, hit them in stride and let those guys do the heavy lifting after the catch that's when this offense and just offense in general in the NFL can be really, really fun. When you can be a distributor on offense and let your weapons do the heavy lifting and carry the burden of the run after the catch responsibility of the playmaking responsibility. I know it's not earth shattering, but let your playmakers be playmakers. If guys like Watson and Dobbs and Toure and Reed and Musgrave and Kraft and Jones and Dylan can all come together and be a really good weapon group for Jordan Love then that's going to make his job a whole heck of a lot easier. And that's going to make it so that this offense can put up some points. You know what's hard? Going 15 plays 85 yards, especially when you've got a plethora of first and second year players at wide receiver and tight end and a first time starting quarterback. Those long drives that Aaron Rodgers would put together almost every single game are going to be extremely hard to come by. You're going to have to hit some 40 yard plays. You're going to have to have Christian Watson take it 75 yards to the house from time to time. You need those huge explosives and you need to make them count. And if they can get that out of their playmakers, that's again, just going to make it so much easier for Jordan Love and what he has to do at the quarterback position. If those wide receivers and running backs and tight ends can't make plays, if they don't separate and it's up to Jordan Love to be the superhero, like Aaron Rodgers has had to be at times, good luck. It's probably going to be a much longer season than what I think a lot of people are hoping for and ultimately expecting. All right, next up on my list is that Goot probably finds at some point this season another free agent gem in season. And in order for that to happen, you know this is something that the, the front office and just like the, the scouting staff in general has been really good at, but they're gonna have to look everywhere. No stone unturned, which is something they're always doing you know, Goody always mentions that roster building is a 365 day a year process. I go back to Rizul Douglas from a couple seasons ago. They're probably going to have to find one more gem like that at some point in the season. A guy that gets released, maybe they can trade a conditional seventh round pick down the line for some player that fell out of favor somewhere else, whatever that may be. Maybe they can poach another player off the practice squad like they did a Bo Melton and an Alan Lazard, but maybe they can end up helping sooner rather than later, whatever that is. They've been really, really good at finding players, Jared Valdir, Tremont Williams late in the season, even though he didn't play, he should have played. We're not going to talk about that either way. They've always constantly been churning their roster and trying to find talent. They need to find another Razul Douglas this season, somewhere, some way, somehow. And this has been, even if it's not like in season, they found Rudy Ford right before the start of last season. They found Keyshawn Nixon on the scrap heap. They found Devondre Campbell basically on the scrap heap. Rick Wagner's a player that helped a ton. Like they have found some dudes for super cheap either late in the training camp process or sometime in season. And I think Goot in the front office is going to have to find another player like that if they really want to make some sort of crazy different run. Number five on my list is string together some early wins. Listen, let's look at this early schedule. At Chicago Bears, worst team in football a season ago. That's winnable. At Atlanta Falcons in week two that's a winnable game. I think the Falcons are going to be better this year. The Packers probably have the better quarterback in that game. That is a winnable football game. Saints at home, that's a winnable football game. I'm not super scared about Derek Carr and that Saints team overall. Lions at home is tough, but that is a home game. At Vegas, Jimmy Garoppolo, it's a good you know Raiders team from time to time, but I'm not super scared of that. Then they get a bye week. They go to Denver. Did you remember what that Denver team looked like last season? They get the Vikings at home. And that's a team that is, in my opinion, coming back to earth. No Dalvin Cook, no Adam Thielen, no Z'Darrius Smith. The list goes on. Rams at home, I think they're going to be better if they're healthy, if Stafford is healthy, if Don, you know Aaron Donald's healthy, if Cooper Cup is healthy, they'll be better. But that team is still uh, pretty darn barren overall. They you know, lose Jalen Ramsey. They're in need of some serious depth and talent. And they've got some high-end players, clearly, in Aaron Donald and and still in Matthew Stafford, if he can throw the ball well Cooper Cup. But that's not a, a team that is super scary to me either, especially when they're playing that game at home. At Steelers, that's winnable. Those are their first nine games, and they have a buy in there as well. Could they go seven and two in those first nine games if some things start hitting? I think they can. I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying they should, but I think they can. And if all of a sudden you start getting faith and belief early in the season, if Jordan Love looks a little bit better and all of a sudden you're like, hey, this guy can play, and they start believing in each other, that's going to go a long way and i think if i think that the the season is right there for them to start off with and the schedule is right there for them to win some games early in the year and like i said i don't think 7 and 2 is that big of a stretch i think all 9 of those games are winnable and even if you have a couple of hiccups along the way and go 7 and 2 like i said i'm not predicting it If you think that's going to be the case, go bet all those games right now because I think you can win some serious money if you think they can go, you know, seven and two in those games. But if they can, you know, get those wins and begin to believe, that's the that's the start of maybe something special. You have to get that momentum early. If all of a sudden you start, you know, three and six in those nine games. It's going to be really hard to turn that around at the end, if you, you, know, especially if you don't have that belief in each other. Like They need to reel off some wins early and start getting that belief in each other and start putting together that storybook season. If they don't, it, it may be a lot harder to get it going early in the year. Number six on my list is a lot of these players just start remembering how freaking good they are. And this is not your typical rebuild. Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, Rashawn Gary, Jair Alexander, Keyshawn Nixon, first team all pro season to go. These are good freaking players. And if those guys play at the top of their game, they can go out and compete with a lot of freaking teams. And then you've got another group of players who we have seen play really good in Green Bay that didn't necessarily play their best brand of football a season ago. AJ Dillon, John Runyon Jr., Razul Douglas, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, all five of those players we've seen play good football in Green Bay. Maybe it was only one season in the case of Stokes and Savage and Douglas. John Runyon Jr., I think, had one and a half seasons. Dillon, you know, when he's gotten playing time, has been good, but we have seen those players be good in green and gold. If they do that again, you're, again, you're going to have a much better chance to compete this season. The Luke Musgraves, the Tucker Crafts, the Jaden Reeds, the Samori Toure's, the Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, Devontae White, TJ Slayton, Colby Wooding, Quay Walker, Kingsley Nibari, Lucas Van S, Anders Carlson. Too much talent is in that group. Not as untapped talent. You don't know what you're gonna get from that group. It's probably some good, some bad, some ugly, some somewhere in the middle. But there is a ton of really talented players in that next group of players. If they start playing well, That would help this team a ton. And you've got two players who just haven't played great football, I don't think yet, but I think are capable of playing much better football, and Josh Myers and Josiah Deguara. And if all of a sudden some of these groups, your stars remember that they're really freaking good at football, your next group of guys, those five guys, the Dillons, the JRJs, the Douglas, the Savage, the Stokes, remember that, hey, we've played well in the NFL, in green and gold. Let's do that again. Your young guys come along early. Your guys that are capable of playing better, like Myers and Deguara actually play better. Now you've got layering up and players just playing at a totally different level than what we saw in 2022. It's going to take some of those things coming together if this team really wants to compete at the highest of highest of highest of levels. Seven is they need to stay healthy, all right? If they have some serious injuries, Rashawn Gary has any sort of setback, Bakhtiari has a setback, something happens to Jordan Love, it's just going to be over quickly, right? They have to stay healthy, especially with their core pieces. Number eight can they find a Sam Shields, uh Malik Heath, a Brenton Cox, some of the late round picks like a Carrington Valentine, an Anthony Johnson Jr., a Carl Brooks, a Grant DuBose. Can one of those players be really good in year one? Somebody that you're not necessarily expecting to just all of a sudden come out and be a real high-end starting caliber player like Sam Shields was as a rookie undrafted player. If they find one of those in Heath, Cox, or one of the late round guys in Valentine, Johnson, Brooks, DuBose. That certainly would help this team a ton as well. Can they find that Colin Jenkins or Tremont Williams, a player that's maybe been on the roster for a couple seasons, but all of a sudden they start playing really good football. Maybe a Luke Tenuda or a Caleb Jones or Rashid Walker, a Tyler Goodson, a Jonathan Ford, a Tariq Carpenter, an Ennis Gaines. One of those players that just kind of comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden you're like, man, this guy's pretty good. I uh, you know, Tyler Goodson, Ennis Gaines, maybe maybe not to the level of a Colin Jenkins or a Tremont Williams, but wouldn't surprise me if one of those guys started playing really well out of kind of nowhere. Number 10, can they figure out one of their veteran reclamation projects? Can just one of those guys hit and be like, oh yeah, I can actually play really good football. Whether it be a Rudy Ford, a Jonathan Owens, a Tavarius Moore, an Eric Wilson, a Justin Hollins, a Corey Ballantyne. Can one of those guys just realize like, hey, like, I'm in this league for a reason and I can actually play some really good football. They're going to need one of those veteran reclamation projects to kind of hit and be a player that they can lean on at some point this season. Can they improve their red zone efficiency? Can they find their defensive identity? And then the, one of the last ones I'll say here, I got two, two left. I believe there's two ways. and I've talked about this before. I've talked about this and there's, there's two ways ultimately to win a Super Bowl, in my opinion. Number one is, can they just have superstars, right? And I think that's a little bit more of the way the 2010 team won and the 96 team won. You've got Reggie Whites, you've got Brett Favre, you've got, I mean, just you've got obviously Super Bowl MVP Desmond Howard, not a superstar, but played like it in that particular game. You had Leroy Butler. I mean, you've got Hall of Famers, you have literal Hall of Famers and guys like that in and, and Reggie White, Brett Favre, and uh, Leroy Butler, and just like uh, some really other you know dominant players who played uh, obviously on that team as well. The 2010 team, you've got Aaron Rodgers, you've got Charles Woodson, Nick Collins was headed in that direction, you know, prior to the injuries. Clay Matthews played at such an insane level. Tremont Williams played at such an insane level. Like you had bona fide stars that just consistently lifted those teams up in '96 and 2010. That's to me one way that you win a Super Bowl. You just have your your high end players are just so freaking good. The Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. And you know, uh, with Chris Jones and with Travis Kelsey, that's just those guys lift that team up so incredibly much, just because they are so freaking dominant. Now, the other way, in my opinion, is you just have good players everywhere. There's no weakness. There's no place for other teams to attack. Just everything is good, and I think that's a way that they can also. Ulti- if, if you told me that that's that this team won a Super Bowl, that's how they're doing it. Jordan Love ends up being a good quarterback. Jones and Dylan, good running backs. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samore Toure, Jaden Reed, good wide receivers. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, Josiah Deguara, good tight ends. Good offensive line led by David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins. The rest of the group evens out John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Zach Tom, Yash Nyman, whoever they need. Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Colby Wooden, good defensive line. Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, good linebackers. Rashawn Gary, Lucas Van Ness, Preston Smith, Kingsley and Ibarre, good edge rushers. Cornerbacks, You've got Jair and Stokes and Razul and Nixon, good corners. Safety, that's a tough one. That's going to be a tough sell. But maybe, like I said, Savage plays like he did in 2020, and one of those safety reclamation projects ends up working out, or Innes Gaines ends up playing well, or Anthony Johnson Jr. ends up playing well. Special teams ends up being good. Do I think safety and some of the young playmakers, maybe Jordan Love, Josh Myers, some of those are maybe going to be tough sells? Maybe, but. I don't think that like it's that out of the realm of possibility. Outside of safety, I think safety is the really tough one. Where you look at, it's going to be really hard for that group to be good. Good. Everything else you can look at and be like, yeah, I think they have good, you know, pretty good depth and good players kind of everywhere. That would be the way that this team ultimately wins the Super Bowl. And then last but not least is they start out that that season strong. Like I said, maybe they start seven and two the storybook starts getting told and everyone's talking about jordan love and can you believe how good he's playing and i can't believe this packers team is seven and two and everyone starts saying like hey i think they're going to come back to life and all of a sudden they the packers start believing hey this is a pretty special season, and they start believing in themselves, and they start believing in the storybook a little bit. We've seen a Leicester City in the Premier League go from a team that nobody expected to win it to winning a championship. We saw the Miami Heat just this year almost go from eighth seed, totally forgotten about, play-in team, lost their first play-in game, had a one win and in or one win and out scenario, and all you know. I know they didn't almost win it. Denver beat them in five, but they get to the championship, right? We have seen these storybook type seasons from teams that happen out of nowhere. It has to start strong and then they have to start believing it. And if the team starts believing the storybook season, then some magical things can ultimately happen. So clearly a lot of things need to go right. I don't think there's anything that I said today, any one thing that's just insanely outlandish. Maybe Jordan Love being a top 15 quarterback right away, maybe that's outlandish. Maybe a Joe Barry defense being in the top 10 conversation, maybe that's outlandish. Maybe there's a couple things that just ultimately can't happen. But I don't think any of them are just in like completely out of the, the realm of belief. However, all of them together in like, 10, 11, 12 of these things hitting— that's what's going to make this task so insanely hard. They need almost everything to go in their favor. And if a couple of these things go wrong, if Love's not good enough, if Joe Barry's not good enough, if they have a few injuries, if the playmakers don't come along as expected, if they don't find someone in, you know, that like good finds another gem on the free agent market, if the the veteran safeties that they need to play well don't play well, there, there's just things that can ultimately go wrong and ultimately set this team back where they can't compete at a, at that level. I think that's what we're sort of, going into this season expecting, right? They would need a lot of things to go right in order for this sort of thing to happen. But a lot of these things individually, not totally without the you know, outside of the realm of possibilities, just all of them happening together. That would take something really special for this to you know sort of happen. This team outside of David Bakhtiari does not want to talk about a rebuild. They are sick of hearing that they're not going to be competitive. And maybe just maybe they'll actually go out and prove it and have that storybook season. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. I think it's very unlikely, but you know what? That's what makes you know sports and football so freaking fun is you just never know where that next Cinderella story is going to come from. So if I did tell you that I hopped in my hot tub or in my DeLorean or whatever other time travel, travel device that you would like to use and said that Green Bay won the Super Bowl, probably a lot of the things that we discussed today are what ultimately happened to get them to that point. Maybe, just maybe, it could ultimately happen. But until we find out Who the heck knows? And that's what's going to make this season so freaking fun. I'll be right back here tomorrow going in the opposite direction. What happens if a few things go outside of their favor and they end up being the worst team in football? We'll talk about that as well. And then we'll go over our third and final one where it's somewhere in the middle. Make sure to check those out. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. I'll be right back here tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!